receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Now with 100% more monkey. Yes. So, all right. Cool. Uh, huh. Yeah, you know, you know, we should talk about that. It's day. been such a sunny day today. Has it? But cold. It's been really cold. Really cold. Northern California. Yeah, but, if we uh, get out in the 50s. Don't. You know, I know there are people that are like, you know, they icicles came out of their mouths <laughs> right, in Chicago right. and the East Coast. I don't I just, want to muck. You know, want them to know that they could come to California. And then leave. And have a cup of nice, steaming, warm coffee. There you go. Hey. Can I hear that coffee? Just uh, Okay, yeah. Oh, that was... It is not Laughing that Man does coffee, sound delicious. But, I, but I am, after that ad from Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds today, I am going to have to go and, and I'm, see if I'm, I'm order I've got a, a shopping list, too. A yeah. bag of, uh, of Laughing Man coffee. Laughing Man coffee and Aviator Gin. Who are not, uh, unfortunately, sponsoring the show. And I think we, we decided some uh, like unsweetened chocolate. Would you add that into it? Or? I think I would. Or some Laughing Man chocolate. because oh, Laughing Man and, chocolate. And what g- goes there is it also is, uh, it, it, it all goes to charity. Oh, all of I don't know about Ryan Reynolds, but Hugh Jackman's all goes to charity. I think I think Ryan Reynolds just sends gin to charity. <laughs> That's it. So hey, this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and sitting across from me at the undisclosed location in Northern California, we call the Brett Cave. Rick Brett Snyder, producer extraordinaire, and uh, before we get in, we got a I, I hope a, a, some good conversation tonight. Uh, before we do, of course, I do want to mention counting on it. Uh, are you good? I am uh, okay. Of course, mentioned that uh, I hope you're listening to this on your favorite podcast provider. You can find us on Apple Apple Podcasts. I I still want to say iTunes. I know that's wrong. Uh, Apple Podcasts, it's the only Stitcher app, because Apple's and TuneIn.com. And if we're not on your favorite podcast provider please tell them and tell us so we can contact them and make make that all right we'll drop by and have a conversation and of course if we talk about anything on tonight's podcast that you can that you would like to own for yourself and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store we do want to point you to each and every page on fanboy planet has a little search box from amazon and we are affiliated with amazon so you can order things through like uh and then i know there are things we're going to talk about that people want to order oh yeah yes but uh, I hope they can find it at their local comic shop. And, uh, of course, so there's that as well as we are affiliated with Think Geek. So if you go to the through one of the Think Geek ads on Fanboy Planet, you we get a small kickback from that. And if you'd just like to help defray the cost of hosting the podcast and the website, by all means, uh, you can just go to PayPal and uh, donate a small amount, uh, a pittance really, uh, to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And, of course, communication is key. 
If you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, at some point in this podcast, you find yourself screaming at whatever device you're listening to <laughs> because you know the answer and I forgot because every day I get older and older and, and my more mind information. slips. There's just too much. Uh, you know, you can write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can join through Discus uh, on each and every page. If there's an article that you want to comment upon, join the conversation there. Or join us on Facebook at Fanboy Planet. You can tweet us at, fan, at Fanboy Planet. You're sensing this, the pattern there. Instagram, uh, where we post photos of just kind of interesting geek stuff. What are we on Instagram? Fanboy Planet. Oh. Is there anything else? Is there a social media I'm down. not doing? I, <laughs> I can't write it down. You know, I, I never remember. So that's a, I want to make it simple. Yes. Uh, and the, yeah. Anyway, so uh, there is that. And uh, could, do you want to mention uh, if you'd like to advertise with us, you can of course also reach out and, and Rick will produce commercials much more slickly than I'm talking right now. Though I will pretend that I'm helping, and uh, I, I'm going to do my own little commercial here again. Of course, Valentine's Day is coming up, and I do have a book out there. I was Flesh Gordon. I don't really know if it's the perfect Valentine's Day gift, but it might be a good St. Patrick's Day gift. So it's the oh, definitely. it's the rollicking story of yes. Jason Williams, the star of the first adult film parody, without which that film, there would be no Star Wars. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it, and you can find that on the Amazon find link. Out what the that is. is. I know. Yeah. It's there. There's also – Rick, Rick gave me a late uh, late Christmas present, and yes. uh, you know, so Doc Savage is connected to it as well. Yes. But Rick knows because I – think he read the book I, it's over there i didn't even contractually obligate him to I do so it. i read i read i read i spotted through it you you, so far. you read the first two pages that were in my voice I read, so that's good yeah yeah which is also on family they were Planet. in your voice it was a little scary yeah it was anyway so we got some comics news some movie news to talk about some tv news but tonight we've got special guests and i'm very excited because uh this was the the first volume shall we say was one of my favorites of of last year and I know that the second volume, you the sequel. You did rave. You did rave, I did rave about this. and rightfully so. And the second uh, is coming uh, is coming out in April. I wrote this down, uh, the first issue of the sequel. And so tonight we are blessed to have uh, writer David Papos and artist George Santiago Jr. of Spencer and Locke 2. Hi. How hey. you doing? Come on out. Wait. Uh, play that. Where's that monkey playing the, the xylophone? Oh, sorry. My when bad. You, when you <laughs> mentioned it, it's hard for me to put it in what, over I, later. I, I know. I'm See, sorry. the monkey's been playing all this time. Oh, I didn't no, realize It that. makes you sound like you're not paying attention. I'm deaf. <laughs> we, can just, we can just do it a cappella. <laughs> oh, I like that. Mm. I like that. Was that a hint of orangutan? Yeah. I just... Was that a I gibbon? I just there on the base. Okay. Anyway, uh, so welcome, guys. And I should also say, fresh from the cover of this week's Comic Shop News. Issue number 1651. <laughs> so I, I was very excited to, to, to see that. Uh, so welcome, creators of, of Spencer and Locke. And um, David, you've talked about this before, but uh, I've never had the opportunity to speak to George before. So I'm going to say when... Uh, George, how did you get involved in this project in the first place? I've talked to David about his inspirations, but I never talked to you about it. Um, so I was first, uh, so I, I was a, a student at the Savannah College of Art and Design uh, down here at the Atlanta branch. And um, I was finishing up my, my MFA and uh, I was working on my pitch project or my, my thesis project and all sorts of other comics where I was trying to 
um, sort of test the boundaries of like what comics could be and like what comics um, like uh, like trying to find ways to like uh, for example one of my thesis comics had like a rotation in it I also did a comic that was partway in Copic marker partway in watercolor I was trying to I, I, I like trying out new stuff and around that time that's when uh, David emailed me and asked me if I'd be interested in uh and, and working on a comic that was essentially a, a big uh, experimentation of mixing like a uh, like a very sort of like beloved uh, cartoony style with something more like dark and gritty, like some of the film noir stuff that I was interested in. And that uh, that's how I was first brought into Spencer and Locke. And for those who have are listening and have not read it, it is you know it is basically Calvin and Hobbes meet Sin City. And it means the high concept. I shouldn't say it's basically that because it's so much more. And so, and uh, David, how did you, how did you find George then? If you know, he's, he gets this email out of the blue. Uh, yeah. How did you well, find uh, him? It, well, you know, uh, when I thought maybe I'd put together a book, um, I looked to a lot of other creators uh, with their breakout books and tried to see if I could steal from their playbook a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, the the creator I looked to the most was Justin Jordan with the strange talent of Luther Strode, mm-hmm. and uh, Justin did a lot of smart things with that book. But I, I of course argue the smartest thing he ever did was he hooked up with Trad Moore, uh, you know, just a, a, an artist who was so good that um, you know it would get your foot in the door. It was just undeniably awesome. And so I, I thought, oh well, where could I find the next Trad Moore? And uh, so I started looking through the art schools. I looked through SCAD. I looked through RISD. I looked through SVA, the Cuber School. And um, anybody who had a portfolio through those schools and, and, and several others, I, I, would look, I would look at their portfolios. And so um, I, I found George's, and I, uh, I was immediately kind of struck, uh, both on the way he conveyed action. Um, you know, it was very fluid and kinetic. Uh, but also just the expressiveness of his characters. Uh, you know, he really conveyed a lot of emotion uh, to, to all of his characters in his, his books, uh, Rare Drops and Curse of the Eel. And I thought, you know, these are really kind of the qualities that would help transcend this series, you know, and keeping it from being just kind of shock for shock value's sake and something a little bit more engaging and emotional. Um, so I was lucky enough. I dropped him an email and, uh, you know, right place, right time. And. He uh, thankfully uh, agreed to go on this uh, crazy adventure with me. That is great. Uh, and George, when you said you were working in different styles, and he came at you and said, for the first one, you know, you have to draw it's a, your own kind of take on noir, and then that you m- mimic at different places the Bill Watterson style from uh, Calvin and Hobbes. And now in Sp- in Spencer and Locke two, you've got Roach Riley, the antagonist, who is Mort Walker's Beetle Bailey in some moments in his head. And when David and I talked in July at Comic Con, he said the like King Features is wide open. Maybe we shouldn't put it that way, um, but you know <laughs> that that basically all the comic strips kind of coexist. And and are, are there moments at, at, in plotting and so forth where you're saying like, well, throw this one at me. I want to do some Chick Young or. Uh, like, you know, I'm, I'm dying to do Alex Raymond for the heck of it. You mm. know, that kind of thing. Um, not, not really. Um, I, I, I think that what, what I'm, what I'm most interested in, like as, as much, uh, like I, I think that, uh, 
the strong suit of our of our comic is just the fact that we can uh, jump between art styles like so fluidly, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because that allows us to it allows us to tell everything visually instead of having to rely on like over captioning or um, having to rely on like sort of uh, clumsy transitions. We can instead change how the book looks, and w- once the reader sees it a few times, they they understand it. Um, well, while that is definitely our strong suit, um, I'm really more when it when it comes to working on the book, I'm I'm more I'm more focused on like the character interactions and like the character emotions. Um, like as as much fun as it is to draw, like oh, like to play around in a different style for a page. Like I think that um, what I'm always like, especially with with volume two, what I'm really interested in is sort of the psychology of of the characters. Like making sure that I'm portraying like their mindset you know if 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 a character is conflicted about something that that shows up on their face but then also um using symbolism in order to make the sort of the gestalt of the art like make sense like i want people when they finish issue four to go back and reread issue one and realize that oh okay they were building up to this like from the very beginning like there's some like symmetry things that i played with or some uh, symbolism and stuff that I think will be like uh, that is important to sort of the final moments of the book. But um, as far as like being like, hey David, can you throw this at me? Um, not really. Uh, David usually tries to. Fi- he usually finds a way to make me draw stuff like that anyway. So <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I tend to throw as many curveballs at poor George as possible, and I think that comes from my mindset of. Maybe this is the last comic I'll ever get to do. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm superstitious and I'm just afraid I'm going to get hit by a bus. But I uh, I, uh, oh, I hope you not. know I'm always like, what kind of weird stuff can we throw in here? Uh, and so uh, yeah, I, I I find ways to keep George on his toes. Yeah, issue one, uh, which I read back in July because you did have it is sort of like a preview issue available at Comic Con, and then we've yep. all been kind of sitting on it. In fact, I think I got into an argument at a comicsology party with someone insisting that they had the complete trade paperback <laughs> of, of, of two. And I kept saying, no, no, you, you bought one, you bought one, <laughs> but yeah. if that means you have two copies, all the better. Now you have one to give to somebody else. You know? yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. but, um, way oh, back when, you know, uh, it's, uh, you're, you're dealing with, you know, kind of post-traumatic stress disorder. You're taking a very, dark side to a character that we know as Beetle Bailey, but it gets really, really dark on, on that side. And and you mentioned then that again, you're going to expand out into other, other comics throughout the series. And I've only, I've only read the first issue at this point, but um, you know, are there, are the tributes you really want to get in? If you say, as you're approaching this as this is, you know, the last comic, which I think every creator probably should, like, you know, yeah. go, hit for the fences. I'm probably using a bad sports metaphor every time, but anyway, you know, swing for the fences. swing for the fences. That's it, sports. Yes. Uh, so, you know, yes. What there's, were the things driving funny. you in this one? Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as as our homages go, um, I can I can tell you we we threw in about as many as we could logically fit in there. Um, just so nobody gets their hopes up, the two that we, well, 
not to I you know what I'm not going to spoil anything, uh, but I, I will say that um, we get a lot of fun nods in there. Uh, you know, we have our analog to Brenda Starr, uh, nice. who is uh, Melinda Mercury. It's going to be Locke's new love interest. She plays a really important role uh, in the series uh, because I kind of feel that investigative reporters and detectives, uh, you know, they kind of run on a parallel track in terms of trying to figure out. Uh, who this gunman is and what is what is his motivations and what is his is his grand mission um you know we get uh we have our analogs to high and lois we've got um let's see we've got uh riffs on marmaduke hagger the horrible uh we got a, a blink and you miss it cameo from the family circus uh <laughs> You know, there's, this, there's, it feels wrong. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and that's just uh, the tip of the iceberg. Um, there are a few other cameos that I don't want to spoil just yet. That's fine. Um, but they're my, they're they're my favorites. Um, you know, people will see them at the beginning of the second, third, and I, if I'm remembering it correctly, the fourth issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's been actually kind of freeing. Um, you know, having this be our second installment, um, you know, sort of taking that fables approach, to, mm-hmm. that sort of shared universe amongst the comic strips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was a kid reading the comic section, all these strips were on the same page. So organically, it kind of makes sense to, uh, uh, you know, have them all inhabit the same universe. And that helped me out a lot. Anytime that I kind of felt stuck, I was able to say, all right, you know, what kind of comic strips have we not tapped yet? Um, and what kind of archetypes? do these characters fill in this sort of Spencer and Locke twisted universe? And um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been fun. Oh, I, I guess I should add um, uh, Sluggo is lit. Sluggo is definitely <laughs> lit. Well, you know, let's ask that question. Have you been reading the new Nancy? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's very funny. We do have a little, cameo from uh, nancy and sluggo and what's funny is i had written that, that in well before the relaunch um i just told george i said hey wouldn't it be kind of funny if you had nancy and sluggo here because i always thought they kind of were like hilarious looking uh just in terms of their design like their beady little eyes just like just drill into your soul and um yeah, and, but the funny part was is like as George is drawing this, suddenly like Nancy has like a comeback, and yeah. um, so apologies to Olivia James. I'm sorry. I love your work. <laughs> uh, you know, just this little bit of synchronicity going on here. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I, I I felt I felt really ahead of the curve with that one. That's all right. And and both of you guys, uh, let's give a shout out to your publisher. What's it been like uh, working with Action Lab? Yeah, Action Lab's great. Um, you know, it, I, I, I've said this before, uh, but, you know, there are a lot of publishers who, rightly or wrongly, would have been very squeamish about the idea of Spencer and Locke. And I, I get it. Uh, I remember when we pitched this around, um, one big-name publisher told me that this was the best pitch they'd never publish, hmm. uh, which I still wear as a badge of honor. I think, um, you know, like, it, I can I can understand, especially if you're ever in the, you know, wanting to sort of angle your way into doing publishing Calvin and Hobbes reprints someday. I get it. You don't want to play with fire. And just based on our premise, which sort of, uh, you know, twists that uh, classic Bill Watterson iconography into sort of this, this character study of pain and trauma and PTSD and mental illness. um, I get it. That's a lot for a lot of publishers. Uh, And so, you know, there are some publishers who would have told us to kind of rein it in, there are other publishers 
less reputable publishers who would have pushed it, try to push us into the realm of exploitation, which is, we don't want that either. So um, Action Lab has been great. They've given us the latitude and uh, to tell the story the way we want to, and really just kind of trusted us from the jump. They said, you know, uh, are you is your story? Are you going to be turning your pages in on time? Great. Like beyond that, we trust you to tell your story the way you pitched it to us. And um, so, so they've they've really been they've really been wonderful. Um, it's been a great place to 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 work, and it's a great place to learn. Um, so. And they've, they've been so supportive of us. Um, you know, I, I've been sort of, I feel like they're unofficial roadies sometimes where I'm just, anytime that I'm going to a con, I'm like, Action Lab, are you there? And anytime <laughs> they're there, they're like, oh yeah, stay with us all weekend. And I've seen you hooking up the speakers. Up. Yeah. So have you had uh, have you had the opportunity to talk to Wat- Watterson about the uh No, I, I haven't. Actually, it's funny. Um, every time somebody asks me that, I always think like, Wow, would we ever be big enough to be on Bill's radar? I feel like if I ever saw him face to face, I'd probably just faint. Um, so I, I haven't um, spoken with him or, or, or heard anything from him. I, I hope though that you know if he has heard about us or has read the series, um, he sees it for what it is, which it's not just a parody, uh, you know, but it's it's a love letter. Uh, this the the idea, the genesis behind Spencer and Locke was to sort of pay tribute to two once-in-a-generation talents, um, these real trailblazers, these real innovators of the medium, and sort of seeing, you know, if you have sort of a very innovative peanut butter and a very innovative jelly, what do you get when you put them together? Uh, so, you know, this is this is a love letter, and I, I, I think George and I would probably agree that we're not Bill Watterson, we're not Frank Miller. Um, I, I think it would be kind of foolish to think we were, uh, so we know we're standing on the shoulders of giants for this book and, um, you know, every page we write, it's, you know, it just inspires us to bring our A game. So we don't kind of, uh, let these, uh, inspiring creators down. Do you have room for a Spencer in lock three? Yes. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, I'll go as far as to say that, um, you know, pre-orders for volume two are actually more important than volume one because, uh, we want to tell uh, a, a volume three and we've been told that as long as our sales are not in the toilet um we can make that happen so um all right so yes it's, it's available in, pre, in uh, the pre-orders are in previews this month yes right February. Yes. so for yes. april 24th it's under action lab issue one mm-hmm. comes out april 24th it's 399 cover yep. price uh yep. so is there anything else that i should be saying to get people to yeah go we, to the we've previews? got three covers We'll have three covers for all four of our issues. Um, George uh, is going to be doing our main covers, and then we'll have variants by uh, Mon House and Joe Mulvey. They're both returning for our second arc. Um, and honestly, all three of them, they're really kind of working hard to one-up one another in terms of these covers. They're all amazing and beautiful and wonderful. So um, you can pre-order George's main cover with the code FEB191309, uh, or you can uh, pre-order Mon's variant cover with the code Feb191310, or Joe Mulvey's red, white, and blue variant with the uh, code Feb191311. Uh, but you really can't go wrong; they're all priced uh, at the same price, three ninety-nine. Uh, so really, it's just you know, pick your poison. You can't go wrong with any one of them uh, or all three. <laughs> if, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> feel free to order as many as you want. Uh, a panther in every home, as, as we like to say. <laughs> yes, uh, George, you have any uh, last thoughts? A statement you'd like to make? Um, I think that 
what what I'm what I'm most excited for with with Volume Two and what I hope that most people will enjoy about it about the continuation is that it's not just it's not just meaningless fluff. I think a lot of times with um, sometimes with sequels or with like elongating a story, like I think what we wanted to avoid was like decompression, you know, like telling a five issue story mm-hmm. in like 15 issues. Like that's not what we're doing here. Um, with volume two, we really sort of dive into a lot of the, the repercussions of volume one while also at the same time holding up a, a mirror to Spencer and Locke and say, you know, saying like, you know, why do you guys exist in this world? And it gives us a, a chance to sort of tell a meaningful story that I think is going to, or at least I hope it's going to, it's going to hit people like right in the, in the place where the heart goes. Like, um, yeah. And, and right off the bat issue number one, it's one of those, I, I will, I glad you mentioned that is it's not decompressed. It is absolutely that first issue is, I you know I have to wait till May to read part yeah. two. <laughs> Thanks, David. Uh, so anyway, thank we you. We pack a lot in these books. Yeah, you do, and it's well worth the three ninety nine, or if you want to buy all three covers, the twelve dollars. So thank. Did I do the math right? Yes. Yes, you did. Okay. And the coffee's eleven ninety seven. Okay. Thank you. Technically, so thank you guys for taking the time to talk to us tonight. Really appreciate it, and best of luck. Uh, I. We'll be seeing. Are you going to be at WonderCon? Um, I'll be. I'll be wandering around. Um, I'll, I'll sort of be popping in and out. Um, I, I'm not tabling, but I will be. I will okay. be around. So if you if you see me, uh, pull me aside and tell me tell me you pre-ordered my book. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm working on getting down there. So uh, we'll say hi. So thank you for taking the time. And Our pleasure. Yeah, thank good you. Good luck with the book, guys. Great conversation. So let's. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I, it does remind me. I'm embarrassed. I have to go to Elusive and and say uh, I do need to pre-order. I do I do need to. Well, I had issue one, you know, uh, but I need to get issue, I, I need to get another copy of it. Apparently, uh, you know, and that's all right. Um, so yes, it, there we go. So we got some comics news, some movie news. Let's start with comics. Uh, it's been uh, we've had we've been on a quest. I'd say for the past few months. Uh, with DC putting books in exclusively in store in certain stores, not comic shops. These controversial ones. move. Yeah. Controversial move, uh, which I was I was okay with the controversy until I was having difficulty getting the books. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the so hun- I went on the road. The hundred page giants. So let's talk. Yeah, you went on the world. So let's talk about Walmart. The hundred page giants. So we have a couple of WalMarts in town, and yeah. I I. I had not visited them. It's it's horrible trying to talk, call that store. If you've ever tried to call Walmart, I don't before. think I've ever tried to call one. Yeah, it's awful. So it's you save time by driving fifty miles or so. No, it was about six miles away from the house. So, mm-hmm. um, and I looked all over the store. I actually went online and found a picture of what the displays look like, and it's a cardboard display that maybe has four slots in it for books mm-hmm. to be in but it's meant to be like a point of sale you know, like something an impulse buy at the register uh, yes that's and that so, was my mistake i didn't realize that but but what i found out was after talking to like half the staff that was working registers and and finally somebody who said oh talk to the manager and the manager ended up being a big comic book fan mm-hmm. and he said he looked at the pictures and he said we've never had those in fact, he said, nobody in the Valley has those. 
no one's ordered those so i don't know i didn't i didn't i didn't drill down on him mm-hmm. on that as to whether or not it was a store choice or if it's just not being offered in this area but it's definitely not something you can buy in the greater silicon valley just not available in walmarts and there are very few in the Los Angeles area as well. So uh, I think I checked. There's one in Santa Clarita. It's like three in our area. Yeah. Um, I, I, I checked in Santa, in Santa Clarita, and I hadn't found them. And I think Nate uh, Costa, our sometime announcer, uh, had uh, he had looked as well, and he'd never seen them. But, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I've looked at conventions and thought, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet, like, for the Swamp Thing. Yeah. Uh, they did a Halloween special for Walmart. And I'm not even seeing them on the secondary market. Like, I thought there would be some dealer. There are a lot on eBay. That I'm sure. But I mean. But they're not, and they're not marked up incredibly a lot. So I have a feeling the people that people were going into them, grabbing everything that was in, uh, that was available, Mm -hmm. buying it, checking out, going to eBay and trying to sell them. And I don't think they've been selling as well as they thought they might in the secondary market. So, I mean. Well, good. It's, the book is. What's the price down? It was. It, it I was, think that the ones at Walmart are four ninety nine. Yeah, because they were going for like seven dollars, which is not an incredible markup for for a. Comic no, company. and considering that, yeah, I I managed to get the Target one. And so the other thing I, I would say is, I, I think also these books are meant for what we originally got them off the spinner racks for when yeah. we were kids. Yeah. You know, this is... Impulse Buy, you were a good boy, you can have a I tried to get the best copy I could, and you know, I, I think I managed to flatten it back out. But it was in exactly a cover. So I, I've got the 100-page giant, and I'm going to, you know, say, if they're, they're more... These are available. I saw this in Cupertino last night, the Target, at, at Target, for DC's Primal Age, or DC Primal Age. So Funko has this line of action figures, which you can also find at Target. I don't know if, if the action figures are available anyplace else, but it's basically taking, they called it the He-Man thing, but I remember that Remco had done a line of Warlord toys, and it was in they that. They were the same kind of squat. They were in that squat thing. Over muscular. So I, I have spotted so far a Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, uh, Batman, Superman, Aquaman, King Shark, joker and a mr freeze i think there's one more villain but i i can't think of who it maybe it's a Catwoman because she does appear in the comic uh so they have a line of these figures they're 12 dollars a piece which maybe is a little pricey i i think because the beauty of those toys is, is if i were a kid i would have totally wanted them and um you know they're fun looking they're fun for kids but i wanted so they have this for ten dollars they have this uh 100-page comic giant. And what I love about this book is that it is people that were fan favorites that maybe aren't now, but they're still as sharp as they ever were. So Marv Wolfman writes two wrote two stories in it, um, setting it up with a, of the primal age, right? which doesn't really quite es- explain it. It's, it's just, all new, though. Yeah, it's all new. Yeah. It's all just... It's Whereas just, the, the Walmart ones are like one new story right, and then the rest is reprints. Right, and so that's why they're four ninety nine. Yeah. These are all new. Marv Wolfman and Scott Koblish, uh, the artist uh, who's probably best known for Deadpool, mm-hmm. um, they, they do the lead story, which just kind of sets up what the primal age is. It doesn't really explain it. It just kind of, it's this fantasy right. Elseworlds version right. of a sword and sorcery version of, of the justice league. And 
Hmm, but it, that it, sounds familiar. It, well, I'm sure that there were others as well. Well, there was the one New Fifty Two uh, Justice League. Uh, there was one where it was like the demon. And... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but that, but but that's that's different because that right. was that was in an historical time period. Right. This is a fantasy world. I, I understand. Story, and this is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, uh, Green Lantern, the Flash. That's it. There's a, a Flash oh. as well. But it, this also includes art from Jerry Ordway. Nice. Louise Simonson wrote a story. Phil Winslade's do, drawing a story. Brent Anderson. Oh, then wow. A name I haven't seen in a while. Chuck Patton, hmm. who was big in the 90s or early early aughts. And he's kind of faded away. And I, Keith Pollard. So these are names yeah. that you're going way oh, back. Right. But they were great, great, great people. And uh, I thought what, what you'd probably think was most. There's a pinup in the back. By Kaluta, by Michael Kaluta. Wow, of the Joker versus Batman in in this world. So they're I like fun. The way, I like the way the book is laid out because, like, they do these transition pages that are black and white with an expanded drawing mm-hmm. from the story, and that's that's a nice nice way and to bookend also, each of them. It's also printed on uh, certified recycled paper, sustainable. But it's a it's a high quality paper. High quality paper. Some of these all stories, the all these stories look great. There's a there's a version of of Solomon Grundy yeah. there, and, and so the backup stories are all things that kind of fill in the little things, like what is what is the explanation for this Mister Freeze? Uh-huh. What is what's going on with Themyscira? What's going on with Atlantis? Uh-huh. And and so it's all building. One of the things I really like about this is that while it's providing all these pieces, it's it's allowing. So if kids have the toys. It's their imagination just sure. carry the story forward sure. instead of feeling like, oh, they're playing out a script. This is just giving background and setup, and kids are going to do the adventure. I don't know if they're planning on doing another one of these, but but they seem to be plentiful at Target now after the first rush on the day they released it. But I've seen them, I've seen them at a couple of Targets now. This has such a, a visceral appeal to me because I mean, just from the banner. Yeah, you know, the banner, the hundred-page comic giant with the DC and the stars all along the line, the square boundness of it. The and it's just, but I don't want to make it seem like it's a nostalgia piece. What if, no, you know, and that and that's what I loved about no, it. No, it's new material it's, in the format we loved when we would that get, we loved, but kids today would love it, and that's right. what I want to emphasize. Right. And and every story is kid friendly without being insulting. Yeah, which I mean, I know uh, there are a lot of great kids comics, and I, I. I I just I I don't even know what I mean by saying that because I feel like that's doing a disservice to kid to some great it kids doesn't books. feel like an expanded but, apple pie ad. Yeah, this is if the kids didn't even know there were toys, that's okay. They would enjoy sure. this store these stories, and they're cool. And they and they in each character does have a flavor of the real, shall we say, the regular modern whatever rebirth version. Maybe not so much the, the new source 52, material. The source material. It, it, it is. It is clear, and and so um, like the Mister Freeze story is actually really close to the comic book to the regular source material motivations of Mister Freeze. Okay, I don't think they call him Mister Freeze. He's but he's still he's Victor Freeze. He's an ice sorcerer. So I was thinking it's almost like ice the Ice King in Adventure Time, but <laughs> but much more serious. But still, again, kid friendly and. So it was fun. It's just a, 
that you can find plentifully. I am bothered that wal- unless the purpose of the Walmart books were again to get these comic stories in the hands of people who couldn't get them normally. So in areas where they don't have is comics. an area where this is not a comic book store. I maybe I just don't know. It just seems so weird that you know. Oh, that, totally. I know. I yeah yeah. But anyway, so they're fun. So do they have them in your your area, uh, listener? Do you yeah? Where do you live, and have you seen them on the uh, in the wild? Yeah, that's what I'd like to know. Like I said, I, I, you know, I don't really heavily pay attention to like, again, to dealers at yeah. conventions because I don't, I, you know, I don't buy a lot of back issues. I buy trades. And, uh, but I thought I bit the bullet at, at LA Comic Con. I was like, I'm going to go look. And, yeah. You know, it's still one of those of things where, you know, every now and then they print one of those books that ends up having the original was uh, just an e-book online, you know, the an e-comic uh, yeah. online. And then maybe they'll collect all all the new stories into a well, single book for this. Well, that's what I'm hoping. And it's, yeah. you know, or you, you go, we'll, we'll talk again, I think, uh, you know, DC Universe. One of the, the comics that they've put on that digital service uh, they've got the Arrow, the digital comics. That oh, they yeah. Were doing, you know, yeah. well, it's funny to me that that went from those were originally like 99 cents uh, at Comixology. Right. And then they printed them in for stores. Right. And now I'm subscribing to DC Universe. And, so you get to read them for free. And they are, what, for free. For, yeah. Please. Heavy air quotes on that. Uh, so it was just kind of it's just kind of funny to notice that. But I'm not reading them because I'm reading other things. Uh, I'm catching up. We were going to talk about that is, you know, they, they did announce last week they were increasing their library. It's still not there yet, but, uh, you know, and I, maybe they did it two weeks ago. Maybe we talked about it on the on the on the, the last podcast, but um, I did. It was funny. I was going into our archives and we were talking about how they put Starman up. And I said, oh, the connection must right. be Stargirl. It is not a complete run because this is the weird archives thing. The very first comic review on the legacy site the original in 2001 is the last issue of starman number 80 oh wow so it goes up to 62 so i was like going oh you know i haven't converted did you write the review oh yeah i mean because i did most of the comic comics reviews and and it was because that's that's one that's one of your favorites of all time absolutely it was the first it was i think it was the first comic i got signed i then i went to a comic con and i stood in line to to i brought it down and got James Robinson to sign it because I just said, because you know I have a bromance, uh, yeah, you know, completely unrequited, but uh, but as as it should be with fandom, you know. It, but I but I said that you know that was I remember saying to him then it's like my daughter was maybe two, and the choice that Jack Knight made, and he's never appeared in the DC universe again, mm-hmm. other than I think maybe in the Shade miniseries for New 52, they might have flashed back. Maybe a flashback, but he yeah, wasn't but, in. Yeah, but not, you know, yeah. they've respected that. And I, I said it was like such, to me, a groundbreaking decision and a way to end the book and a logical for who he was reason to give up being Starman. And as a new father, I was like, it just blew me away, you know. So anyway, yes. So not all the runs are complete, and a couple of books that were there, titles that were there when it started, are gone. Mm. Like the Prez, the um, the oh, Rebirth really? Prez, which is great, and I think there's a trade people should pick it up. But there is a lot more, and I think they're just building yeah. in. Like I've seen, especially their Golden Age stuff, the '40s stuff, when it was like one or two issues when it launched. Now it's up to five, because it's got to be a pain. 
to to scan and to be really careful because those books so cannot be engraved. You use interns for that kind of stuff. No, no, no. But I mean, but 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 they're you know they're delicate because even right. in their in their right. vaults, you're talking a book from 1940, and then to get those scanned, you know, you got to be you just yeah. got to be careful. So, um, but I but I've been going through there's a lot of rebirth stuff, and so I just finished, which is you know I should have done is uh, Super Sons. I have all the individual issues, oh, but yeah. I fell behind in reading it, so I just binge it all. I'm still finding the program a little buggy, and the thing that uh, bothers me—they yeah, claim it's the most advanced one in the world—and I'm not seeing the not, difference. I'm not, not seeing the difference. No, it's, it's, it doesn't. There are a lot of features it doesn't have, and and and, and, and I don't care. It's okay. You know? Yeah, it's okay because I'm happy just getting the books. But I but I am finding you have to have a strong internet connection to download the book. Hmm. You know, it, it, and it and it processes. I, I'm reading it on a tablet. Um, and I don't think Marvel Marvel does this either, and I wish that they did. Is if you're going to give us this and say, "Oh, there's a crossover," if you, if somebody's binging, the yeah. link should just be the next logical Marvel book does should that. read. They tell you what it is, right? They don't automatically. They, they do have a link to the next book in the series, and some it's been inconsistent. I'm pretty sure some have had the ancillary links, but I think Hickman's crossover did it. Um, perhaps that was, but that's the only one that I've seen it. Yeah. Seen it work that way. Um, but, I, but I haven't dove that deeply into, yeah. cause I, I, the big crossovers, I think I'd, I read the actual the books definitely issues. have a link to the next book in that series. The, the one that mm-hmm. the issue that follows the one you just finished. So super yeah. sons has a crossover with teen Titans and that is a that is a flaw that it didn't go straight to that. And then I looked at Teen Titans, yeah. and they haven't gotten there yet to uploading those issues. So I don't know how far behind they are. Um, you know, like Marvel is about six months. Like if you can wait about six months, things show up. Yeah. But um, I'm not sure where what DC DC's lag is. The other thing we haven't talked about before is that if you're not into one of these these services that will give you the books as long as you have your subscription. Um, a lot of times, the digital copies you can buy, the prices go down over time. Mm-hmm. So you know, may may cost you know on on the day of issue is three ninety nine, just the same as the paper book, unless you buy the paper book and then you get the code yeah. that you can get. It. But like it can go down as low as ninety nine cents uh, a year or two afterwards. Well, and so Amazon runs sales up. from time to time, yeah. and that's true yeah. through Comixology, I should say. Yes, and DC joined uh, Comixology Unlimited too, which mm-hmm. is also curated you can if you have amazon prime right you've basically got kindle unlimited and you can and the comics all kindle unlimited is a separate subscription i've got it through my amazon prime so i i, I mean, okay. it's, it's on mine right now I, okay i know that or maybe they uh, they folded it into my cost the cost of like when you have amazon prime and you get another channel they just kind of fold it into there your charge. There's, there's, there's a Kindle library that you can subscribe mm-hmm. to and, and download all these all these books. With, and I say the same thing again. Hoop, Hoopla and what was the other one that you use for libraries? Oh God, there's some. There's like three or four. I have I actually have a note to remind me what the different services that are. Yeah, I've been I've been using Hoopla uh, for trade paperbacks. Uh-huh. Uh, stay away from DC Marvel because now I subscribe, but but. Uh, but I, I've seen also that individual issues have started showing up at libraries as well for mm-hmm. digital. So, yeah. you know, again, I, I, we just have to remind you from time to time, and especially when DC Universe was the, uh, the service I was looking forward to the most, and I'm still very happy with it. It's just, you know, 
because somebody was just asking me, a friend asked, he had been waiting to subscribe. And I said, it's, it's almost to the point that I, I'm glad I'm an early adopter, but it, but I think once the Doom Patrol series, yeah, television series launches or web series, whatever you want to call it, the streaming series uh, launches, then you have enough backed up. You've got your Young Justice, you've got your Titans right. and Doom Patrol. That alone is going to take you some time. And then the comics library is getting so big. And then we'll come back to talking about like Reign of the Superman that they just, Reign of the Supermen, that they just put on the, on the service a di- one of the animated movies that just came out. So, yeah, which one was that? No, Reign of the Superman. Oh, that, that was it. Was, was just that was came out two weeks ago right, right. on the service, and right. it just and no, no, no. I, it came out on Blu-ray two weeks ago. Yeah, so they launched it simultaneously. I just started watching that this morning. So yeah, so, I only got about third way through, but yeah. we'll finish it. Tonight. All right, all right. So let's go. You know, we didn't get a chance to record last week, so we uh, we had books set aside. So we're going to do two weeks worth of. Things you can find, and at least one of, uh, I can vouch, both of the things that we had set aside for last week, I yes. saw at the shop tonight, and uh, at, at Elusive, and I really, I liked, actually went out and bought the one that you would recommend, and they, they, uh, and somebody else had said, oh, David Avalone, I had put it on the Instagram, I said I read this, and he said, oh, I'm gonna have to go out and find yeah. it, uh, and if you're you know interested, I did go out and find his, uh, the Shape of Elvira, the. Uh, uh, it's not. I. It's right over here. Let me put it. Let me put this the right way. It's not the book we picked last week, but I found it. It was. It was fun. Uh. And so anyway, uh. So shout out to David Avalone and Dynamite Comics. But my choice last week, I'm, we're going to kind of be uh, elliptical on this. Uh. My choice last week was Peter Cannon Thunderbolt mm-hmm. from from Dynamite, and now I've got to like think about all the things I wanted to say about it. What's it, the whole the whole uh, Carlton tie-in? Charlton, yes, oh, Charlton. that it's that, that it's uh, connected to. If you're not familiar with the character, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt was the inspiration for the character Ozymandias in Watchmen. Famously, Alan Moore, when he was conceiving of Watchmen, or or had the germ of the idea, it coincided with the time that DC had picked up the rights to what they call the Charlton action heroes: Blue Beetle, Captain Atom, uh, Peacemaker, Judo Master. Although I don't think Judo Master got you got got an analog, but uh, Nightshade and uh, Did the comedian it was the comedian was, was no I think I think that was Peacemaker yeah was yeah. was the comedian right so the I, I the irony of the comedian not being funny you know and so anyway uh, but they but DC thought no we really wanted to do because they did when they got the rights you know you had a pretty good Captain Adam series mm-hmm. and a pretty good a great Blue Beetle series came out yep. of there the others Nightshade became part of Suicide Squad and was great there but anyway oh and uh, and, and the question because let's not forget right. it because of Rorschach right. but anyway Peter Cannon Thunderbolt was was Ozymandias and uh, the weird thing and nobody did wrong here they just some lawyer didn't quite under, realize that this had happened, was that uh, NDC did a Peter Cannon Thunderbolt book in the late 80s as well. Um, but apparently the creator, Pete, Peter Morisi, actually his estate owned, still owned the character. So DC published a book without actually having the, the complete right. So I doubt you, you know, I, I doubt you would see a reprint of it. It was a pretty good series. It wasn't like, 
you know, it's not one I go, wow, that was that was fantastic. You have to, I have to interpret was, for the audience. I had it jazz wasn't hands. jazz hands. I had jazz hands. <laughs> it wasn't jazz I had hands. Sparkle fingers yeah. for younger audiences. Sparkle fingers. Um, you know. So anyway, uh, that, uh, but this is this is a response to both Watchmen and the sequel that's happening from DC. The Doomsday, you know, the Doom, no, it's Doomsday Clock that Jeff Johns mm-hmm. and Gary Frank are doing, right. which is a good book. But I realized that the things that when I, it comes out, <laughs> when it comes out, yes. But I realized that the things that I like about it have very little to do with Watchmen, and I think that that what the cool plotting things in there didn't need Watchmen there at all, mm. and. Someday I'll get around to saying, realizing that like, I think the portrayal of Osmandius there is, you know, it serves the plot, but it doesn't serve, truthfully, the character the that Alan character. Moore had, yeah. had created. It's a good publicity stunt, and I use the word good lightly, and only because it's like, was it, worth, was it worth the, ba- the you know, the, the bad feelings for some fans that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons weren't, weren't there, you know, weren't don't want it to exist basically yeah, yeah. and i don't know I, it is business business is business i get that this is but peter cannon thunderbolt then responds this is uh kieran gillen and now i'm blanking on the on the name of the artist but um so i apologize i i don't have my copy with me i just shelved mine this morning. yeah and you shelved it yeah so anyway um it, it is a he created they created um their own kind of weird analogs of almost you could say it's like the Charlton action heroes, but they're not. They're attempting to create their own archetypes, and they're and they are influenced by other things. But but it's a he's got cool other heroes, but his take on Peter Cannon is so it responds so well to uh, to Osmanius. It, it is almost like Doomsday Clock could be happening to the side of this story and and this is the almost like the real way but one of the things that i i I was going to call out that i i was really impressed by is this book was created this character was created in the 60s and there are things that look we all know hopefully our our culture has evolved has grown up some come to understand some things about the way the world works and should have worked but we we didn't um, so Peter Cannon Thunderbolt originally played to what well, you know, kind of like the white savior thing of of, of the Eastern philosophy. He's mm-hmm. kind of like, like Iron Fist is in that, and people were very upset about that on the TV series. Although I, I, I admit that I think that if you play up the stupidity of Danny Rand, it's almost kind of which I think the TV series eventually leaned into. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know that that at least that's kind of stupidity funny slash naivete. Na- yeah. Um, but this actually found a, tw- uh, I, I think, a turn to it that makes it more palatable, and that that this is part of the origin. Yeah, and there's no escaping it. But but there's a respect that I don't think comics necessarily had in the sixties and seventies. It didn't feel that far removed from the from the original Iron Fist origin story of his his parents taking him back to no i know but don't don't confuse people because i'm not talking about iron fist i'm talking about peter cannon no i'm just talking about the idea of right the white savior thing right but peter cannon predates iron fist sure and we've said look i mean this concept in fiction in western fiction has been going on for you know the 20s right probably further back and 
I, I, I think that Karen Gillan found an interesting, uh, you know, a way to kind of establish the, the a respect that uh, as people are trying to salvage these characters that, that, that there's still value to, but to take, but to, how do you, how do you how focus do you, on the, uh, how do you get past the problematic inspirations originally? Uh-huh. You know, so we, we will talk for there. So anyway, Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt, number one from Dynamite Comics. I was down with that. Your choice. For my choice week. last week was uh, True Believers, number one. Uh, now I'm trying to remember the exact name of the title. What if Conan the Barbarian walked the earth walked today? Walked the earth today. That's the hard part. Yeah, uh, which we had, we've been, uh, I have personally been picking uh, Conan for the last couple of weeks with all these reprints of just great books because of the art, the story, the creators, the Starlin issue the week before. And this one um, was noteworthy because in the what ifs, what ifs were basically, you know, they, they predated Elseworlds, the, but they, you know, much the same thing, stories that you could tell about characters if something had changed in their life and they their their main the main theme had gone askew from where you're used to it and in this one this one was really not in that mold because it was conan who uh is uh abduct, you know abducted slash uh, confused slash uh, used by a sorcerer to um investigate the well of souls and on his trip down into the Well of Souls, he gets knocked aside and ends up in modern-day Earth, uh, where he has encounters with all kinds of people, including a comely woman who's a taxi driver. Um, and, uh, and, and he stops looters and eventually makes his way back to Hyperborea. Um, there's nothing in this story that changes anything about Conan or anything about the Marvel universe. It's, 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 it could be Canon. It could be a a story because like Conan number one, Conan is shown images of the modern world of men in spacesuits and, and, uh, and just a vision of what's, what's to come after his, his world collapses as Culls did before his and uh and comes back up with a with the, what we know as uh, our own history um so the uh i, I believe it was a Roy Thomas as Roy Thomas and John Bashama John Bashama did the artwork it looked just like any other Conan book that came out at that time uh wonderful and it only costs a dollar which is great did they do cuz there was a sequel in what if where he had become like a gang lord, and then uh, what if he didn't leave? What? Yeah, like there. I have a vague recollection, but of they that. didn't. But did they? they no, that's not one of the true that believers. That wasn't in it. Okay, yeah. so all right. Yeah. What's your What's your pick this week? My pick this week is um, it's, a, it's been a pick before, and it's a it's just one of those books that I mean, yeah. When you look at, I, they've got the banner on the bottom. It says the best of 2018, uh, and they have all these all these magazines: Vulture, Paste Magazine, Gamespot, AV Club, Polygon, The Beat, Comic Book Herald, Wired, 101 Comics, Horror Talk, Comic Book, Io9, Newsarama, The Hollywood Reporter. Does it say Fanboy Planet? Because we, we said that does, as well. uh, maybe it's on the inside. Um, in any case, this is the Immortal Hulk number thirteen, which is kind of rounding out this uh, Hulk. Um, there's two things that have been going on in in these stories. 
These stories are incredibly layered. And have you have you caught up on on this? No, I haven't read line? this issue. I'm I'm caught, caught up. Caught up the previous one. Yeah. So they do these kind of like the black and white kind of introductory introductions to the next scene in the story where it's a secondary voice talking philosophically about what is the Hulk, what's he doing, what is this creature. And um, you, so you have yeah, that. I, I, I wrote an article last week on or two weeks ago on the Hulk so far because of it was kind of my response to Bill Maher's you know, oh, comic yeah. books aren't literate. Yeah. Aren't literature. Well, you have the you have this one where, at one on one end, you do have him going up against an incredibly huge monster in this hellish other world that he's trapped in. At the same time, we revisit the big monster in Bruce Banner's life, which was his father, and there's there's scenes from that. You have uh, Puck from Alpha Flight, Alpha yeah. Flight, and Crusher Creel. And a Walter Landowski who is uh, who's been having trouble in the Hulk with his uh, his Sasquatch persona and the gamma radiation addiction, um, but uh, the Creel character is probably my favorite way he's ever been written uh, as far as uh, his interplay with Puck. And you've got, uh, like I said, I when I was reading this, I'm going, oh no, they're going to go down that whole thing with his father again. Uh, this is so tired. They've done it several times before. This was new. This was a this was well, a new, it, new take it, it, on it. It feels new. And uh, the other thing I, I point out in the article is with those intros and the epigrams at the beginning. You know, then my son and I have talked about the poetry of William Blake. We've uh-huh. talked about biblical passages, and in issue eleven, there was a, a thing about um, why is the Hulk. Why is Robert Bruce Banner forgiven time and time again by his by his friends? Basically, that um, you know that that, that yeah. speaks to politics. Uh, it speaks to our culture right now and the cultural change. And I thought, you know, the easy answer of because it's an ongoing comic book isn't enough. Yeah, you know, and it's really interesting. So Al Ewing, the the writer, is really prodding at some interesting dark corners and it opens with a quote from the brothers Karamazaka this issue yeah yeah and uh I mean like you said there have been a lot of literary aspects to it I wanted to touch on one thing even if you haven't read the the prior books this one has an ending that is kind of monumental in Hulk history I'm not going to spoil it it. I'm not going to spoil it it on two levels so yeah uh, before I go to sleep tonight, I will, so again, I will read that. So again, that's in Immortal Hulk number 13. Usually I let my son read it first. Yeah. But tonight? Tonight, no. it's for no. you. It's in the uh, meantime. If I can stay awake. Anyway, uh, my choice uh, from what's available this week is... It's another huge book. It, it is. It, and it's also another Marvel Wolfman. It's another $10 book. Yeah. This is a lost Superman story. Uh, he kind of, kind of lost. He wrote that Marvel Wolfman wrote this in 2006. Uh, where he says he wrote the story from 2006-2009 is kind of his Superman birthright or or Secret Origins take and you know because of the editorial shifts and which version of Superman did they want to focus on you you know we've had uh, Flashpoint New 52 a rebirth take and there was what was the the I always forget the the crisis that happened in the middle Convergence Uh Um, you know uh, Claudio Castellini is the artist um 
and this is uh it's it's taking it through you know the evolution from smallville to being superman oh wow and how many and pages a, uh i don't it's a hundred page super it looks like a hundred yeah and and a little firmer than the uh, Primal Age book, but it's nice to see Marv Marv doing this. And then what I really love is Claudio Castellini in some pages does what, of course, I love when you draw a Superman. If somebody makes him look like Christopher Reeve, I'm theirs. Uh-huh. You know, it, uh-huh. it's just it, an acknowledgement of that's the best. So, you know, again, I think Marv is is uh, you know a writer that is still the top still at the top of his game and he considers this one of the five best stories he's ever written so to have it finally see print is is terrific and uh, it's in the stores this week and so i i highly recommend it i know we're going to talk about a related uh, work uh, later but in the death of superman animated movie mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite lines i mean in, in a long time has to do where there's interplay between wonder woman and superman during battle, she calls him Clark, and he says, no, don't, you, you, you use Superman. And she says, you're still using that silly name? It's a ridiculous name. Why do you use it? And he says, because she gave it to me. Yeah. Because, yeah, the animated one, that continuity is basically based off the New 52 uh-huh. J- Justice League. So originally that was a superman and wonder woman who were dating which i think they're pretending that they, never happened no no they are they 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 mentioned that there had been some history with no them. in the comics i mean i think no in the animated in, no i'm saying in the comics they're now going uh, oh if they say really? no well because that's silly. because it's not because the superman who's there now is not the one who dated that's true who dated that's true Diana. well they, they did deal with that with uh yeah Wonder yeah. Woman came to dinner one night, I think. Yes, in Trinity, yes. which is a good book, which you can catch up on DC Universe. So let's uh, let's turn to movies because the DC Universe is strong this week, or maybe not. Uh, you know, we have finally a long-standing mystery, and I feel bad about this, honestly, to to some extent, is that uh, Warner Brothers confirmed that uh, they are looking for a new. Bruce Wayne slash Batman that Ben Affleck will not return in the role because writer director Matt Reeves for they've given a date it's July 25th I think 2021 will be the release date of the Batman which is then a film uh, a, a Batman story that Matt Reeves says will be focusing more on the world's greatest detective aspect of the character which is really not something we've seen in in movies too well especially no. if you, when you watch batman be superman you realize how easily manipulated bruce wayne was by that script uh, i mean like he's Luther. basically a tank he's a juggernaut yeah. yeah instead of this is a good detective um you know they're looking for a younger actor so i'm so I, you know I, I think that ben affleck was good in the role mm-hmm. he was not given great material at any point uh, just like Henry Cavill, I I just think he would have been a great Superman. I think he got maybe three minutes on screen to play the Superman that we would have liked to have seen him play. Yeah. You know, um, so it doesn't make that much of an impact. So, uh, you know, they're moving they're moving on. They've also uh, confirmed that James Gunn is going to be directing the Suicide Squad. Yes. Yes. Uh, so it's kind of a I think a soft reboot because. Right now, you do have iconic actors or, or actors who have made the roles iconically them. Like, you can't – Margot Robbie, as long as she wants to be yes. Harley Quinn, you can't recast – well, you can if you want to because you're Warner Brothers. But you shouldn't. I mean, she's been playing him in the Lego Movie 2, playing her in the Lego Movie 2, as Jason Momoa is playing Aquaman in the Lego Movie 2 as well. Nice. 
and you know so so you you've got them you've got uh gal gadot playing wonder woman um it was re- revealed that at one point james wan admitted that there was supposed to be a an end credit scene to aquaman that would have lit, set up flashpoint the fla- you know the flash solo movie basically but they right. but they've made the you know edict from Warner, Warner Brothers and I think James Wan was the one who pushed back was he wanted Aquaman to be his own thing right and, and to to not connect so there are their own franchises for now but I think they can like I still say you know we'll see it looks to me like Shazam will have references to Batman and Superman as being people that really exist in those universes they just I thought I've heard it going back and forth that the, they could just be comic books he's read yeah, I don't. I don't know. You yeah. know, because you see, Freddie has a batarang, but I don't know if that was like. Is it something that he's really that yeah. he got on eBay? You know, who knows? But they did. In addition to the Suicide Squad with James Gunn, they're doing an animated film of the Super Pets. Okay, and they've announced an animated Batman Beyond, which of course is an animated series. Yes, so it's kind of interesting. I think this is Warner Brothers, re, you know, retrenching tr- and but still being reactive to like oh spider-man into the spider-verse did well so now let's right you know let's right. see what else we can make it although really the super pets it's the best way it could be done is an animated film yeah oh definitely you yeah. know so uh batman beyond i'd kind of like to see i mean i you know and it is all just fan wishes is like get michael keaton to play old bruce wayne and training terry mcginnis you know, it, a live action would be awesome. There was a meme I saw last week which said that this is the year that in the series that Batman hung up his cowl and yeah. started grooming McGin- uh, Terry McGinnis. Terry McGinnis. Yeah. So, well, we're all. We're, we're all, all. We've all just outlived uh, yes. all of our dystopian uh, sci-fi. I mean, isn't this the year of Blade Runner as well? It's the year, and, yeah, it's the year of mentors. And, and there's something else, you know, something else that we grew up thinking, oh, that year will never happen. Yeah. And here we are. We're way past Back to the Future, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, th- that's what's happening with the with DC. Uh, over on the, the uh, Marvel side, uh, Bob Iger, I, I don't consider this news. It was just he apparently emphasized on a shareholder's call this week that uh, they are going to continue making Deadpool movies r-rated and they will find some way and i think the thing is you just keep the fox logo on the r-rated marvel movies sure you know blame fox blame fox uh (laughs) well no you know i was reading an article uh about like the thing you know that fox will still maintain a studio presence and Uh but is releasing about half as many movies and that's so that's which is you know okay and i think they've got fox searchlight which means disney gets to kind of have what you know used to be miramax and kind of harvey weinstein kind of ruined you know that it's a brand um and you know so they've they've got now they have a label that can release adult you know mature stuff i should say or immature stuff in the case of deadpool maybe you know but 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 it proves that that's going on and um there have been some headlines this week that uh, they, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that, that makes sense for them to not walk away from that. And if there is one character who can franchise. actually make that, that transition work, oh yes, oh now we're Disney. It would be Deadpool oh, yes. with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, I can hear the lines now. But uh, Lauren uh, Lauren Schuler Donner, who is the producer of the X Men franchise, uh, has said, you know that 
and these have been bad headlines saying that what she's saying is fact when really what she said in the statement was that she's talked with Kevin Feige, but she doesn't really know what he's going to do. But, but she was uh, positing that they will one way or the other replace Hugh Jackman as Wolverine because he was pretty adamant you yeah. know, that, that Logan was the last, it's, last call. It's time. It's time, you know, yeah. and uh, let's get somebody who's actually short. Yes. Do you have any short actors you could you could think of? Let me make some besides calls. Kevin Hart. Um, oh my god, be a great Wolverine. <laughs> oh my god, it'd be much like an actual Wolverine. <laughs> it would be. Uh, so, uh, but uh, she also said the thing about New Mutants, which is going in for reshoots again. Wow. Um, yeah, but Bill Sienkiewicz said what he's seen and what he's heard is it's very much his and Chris Claremont's run. It's Cla- the Demon Bear thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but she had stated, like, she didn't know what their release plan was because, of course, the the combining of the studios is happening right now. And that, again, but now it's actually physically, like, like who's going to get, apparently in Hollywood, very worried. There'll be a lot of layoffs, which Disney has usually not done because they've just kind of absorbed, like, Pixar and they've absorbed Marvel studios. But that was really rampant ramping up and pixar was always separate so you know they 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 still got to do their thing but fox it's a different thing like i said you're cutting their their production slate in half marvel studios is taking back x-men and so forth so anyway what was going to happen with the release is she just said her concern was it wasn't doing anybody any good if all these marvel movies went head to head in theaters and so she's but uh, right. that said so that i i would hope that new mutants wouldn't be something that like ends up on Hulu first. And, and the headline ended up being rumor new mutants will debut on Hulu. (laughs) And it's like, no, that's not what she said. No. Um, but Bob Iger did say about Disney streaming service. I mean, well, and what Bob Iger said about Disney plus is that, uh, you know, Captain Marvel will not go to Netflix. It will go to Disney sure. Plus first, which, no surprise. again, no surprise. I don't know why. It's like, how bored are we this yes, week? Yes, yes, yes. these kinds of things. That, For those of you who have not been paying attention. Which yeah. I guess there are. Yeah, there are people so. that don't. And the only reason it, I'd say New Mutants wouldn't go on the Disney Plus is Disney Plus isn't going to go harder than PG-13. Since you mentioned Sienkiewicz, I did say that, right? I think you did. It's um, just hard to say. It's just hard to say. It, it's it's the questioning halfway through. You go, did I? Do that I right? know, I know. So, um, did you catch up on Legion? Did you watch the? No, but it, it has just gone to Hulu. So, okay, I, I'm going to be. So, up um, they they did announce that they have they are going. No, well, no, we'll we'll get to this on TV. Oh, I didn't see it in your list. No, it's not. But we're going okay. to get to TV, so okay. we're going to talk about this because it would tie into Disney Plus sure, or sure, not. Sure. Okay, and it's but you're right. I'll transition. So yeah, let's let's talk about that. So, I mean, absolutely amazing second season. I mean, there were some – it was out there, but mm-hmm. Legion's always been out there. So yeah. this, the fact that it was out there in a different direction and people aren't expecting that, they just want the same out there that they had before, sorry. But, Somewhere yeah, out there. I'm sorry. You know, that was it because the singer of that song passed away last week, oh. James Ingram. So, oh. no, I love that song. I was thinking about that. Oh, so yeah, I'm like, no. why do I know that? Oh, Oh man, how often did I listen to that song? Anyway, yeah. go ahead. So, um, we all know that uh, Legion uh, David is the son of Professor Xavier, 
and they which season one did at least drop the hint they 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 have alluded to that yeah and apparently they're going to cast uh, professor xavier for the third and perhaps final season no definitely final season yeah. they have officially said it's the last season yeah things can change but no and i don't think I, I don't think they should. I don't want it to be any more than three. It's, I just, I'd like to have it bookend as David's story, this whole no. transition. I think that's fine. To, to, I, I think that uh, I'm because blanking of what they, on the, the, the showrunner's name. He really only wanted to do three stories. The seasons. way they set up the first season was all about discovery. The second season was an entirely different arc that had a pinnacle and left on a, hang, a cliffhanger that was just like out there the last episode was amazing and it it opens up for a a concluding chapter that's perfect it just makes the whole thing a wonderful three season arc. you know i think about this a lot the more we you know we talk about this is i love that even though it's a joke on the good place about a bbc's most beloved sitcom running for like 20 years it's up to 32 episodes you know yeah. I, I i i laughed really hard at that yes, joke yes uh, my statistics may be incorrect. Uh, anybody write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. The spirit's there. But on the podcast, they actually ran an ad for the DVD collection of that series, <laughs> uh, which was funny as heck. Um, uh, but anyway, I do like that model. You know, like my son's watching um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about him uh, being into that show, but you know what? He's almost 15. And but what I was noting was, you know, the one of the leads there, Glenn Howerton, is on AP Bio on NBC. Uh-huh. So both shows can happen because they're in different. Sure. When one's filming, the other's showing, and right. and you know, and that's with with this glut of TV. I I want to see created, you know, really good short runs where I don't feel there's a single episode that's a man like a, like. If the good place at thirteen episodes, or I think it was twelve this season, because the first the first episode was two, was an hour long. Um, it was twelve episodes, so a meh episode of the good place right. is still so good. The only problem with this, it was twelve in the second in this late in this season? third season, yeah. Because I watched, <coughs> I had banked them all, and somehow I thought that it was over, and I watched eleven. I go, well, that was a little odd for their cliffhanger. And then the the 12th episode, which did yeah, give but it was teasing. 13 before. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, uh, so I, I'm good, you know, I'm good with the model. And if, if what we have is three seasons yeah. of a great series and it ends on their choice and their note, yeah. that's what I want to see. Uh, you know, so as much as I miss catch up on Hulu, if you haven't watched the grinder brilliant single season, but, but when that show, it was canceled. And, but when they got to the end, I was, uh, the first season i was like well that's it there is no logical second season anyway so you know i think i probably mentioned it a couple of times on this podcast but i don't know if people you know remember way back but but you know that's one absolutely watch you will love binging that show yeah and then it's done and there's not a bad episode there it's terrific you know so anyway um this week was we're talking about disney plus uh that Pixar launched an experimental YouTube channel. They're releasing shorts, and the first one's called Pearl, P-U-R-L. And oh, I did read about this. And, and it's yeah. uh, actually one of my former students worked on it, and so that's how I found out she posted it on um, on Facebook. And so that was my, my first Jason Salazar uh, reposted it as well. Yeah. But if you go to it, watch it. it was It's a fun, and, and it's kind of like, 
it's almost like it's the PG Pixar. And okay. so they're shorts that are a little more experimental and a little more, I, when I, I hate to say adult content, but it's dealing with sexism in the workplace, basically through okay. the metaphor of a ball of yarn. Adult themes. Adult themes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, but I thought what was really interesting about, you know, there are things that, yeah, you, you, they've got a lot of talented people working on these shorts to hone their craft and not enough feature length films to put them in front of. Right. Uh, that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So they've got this YouTube channel, except that at the end of the YouTube channel, it says there'll be more on this and, and watch for more pics. I can't remember what they've titled the whole thing, but they said, watch for more on Disney plus. And I was like, Oh, very clever. Yes. The first five are free. Yes. You know, it, it's Pixar crack is what they're doing. No, there's been a lot more. I've, I've seen a lot of come ons. I can't remember what the latest one was. Oh, um, anyway, they, they said, Watch the first, uh, watch watch free on this channel. And the reason why is you go to the channel and you can sign up for a month free. It's not that the episodes are free. It's that you can get mm-hmm. a you can get a, a basic subscription um, for a month by giving them your credit card information. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, but but this is something we you know that you and I have talked about uh, because we've got Cinequest coming up and we got to schedule uh, a, a conversation with the program director on that. But going to the shorts, and what I when I talk to short directors and, and creators, is like, I used to say, I don't know where people are going to find them. And now, like at Halloween, Hulu had a whole bunch of horror shorts. Hmm. And Netflix did a series of horror shorts. And so... Th- I think they're, the streaming services are catching on, right. and maybe it is the YouTube influence or the YouTube generation saying we and, only want to watch a five minutes. And minute. I think it's it's partially the the change in the way the streaming services are working because now, if you it's almost like if you tell Spotify you want to listen to a song, it'll play the song and then it'll play another song that's kind of like it, you know, and yeah. it'll keep going like that. And the same thing's happening in YouTube. You play a video, and if it in it could then go to another video that's kind of like that. And Hulu could do that. I, and you I could do the same kind of play. I don't, you yeah, know, because you, I was nodding off. I was I, watching it in bed and going like, oh, oh crap, I missed. <laughs> what did I miss? Right, you know, right, right. so uh, not that it was boring. Not that they were boring shows. Just I'm just tired. a tired old You're man. tired man. Uh, oh, thank you for just... <laughs> I agreed with you. No, 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 for think, taking out the old. Um, so, yeah, so it's just kind of interesting. In DC Universe, you say that, because they have the DC... Um, the ones, the, the little short cartoons they oh, yeah. did for, uh, for, the, for Cartoon Network. Yeah. And those the are... The ones. And, uh, the yeah. Dead Man. They're so wildly experimental. Right. There's a great series of Plastic Man shorts. And, you know, anyway... And it's an experimental art style for, for like, oh, especially yeah. the Dead Man, but also the uh, the Plastic Man. And um, not so much for the Doom Patrol, but Doom Patrol is No, but the Wonder, the Wonder Woman that takes from the, from the 60s when she had no powers. Right. Like that they that they did that, that they, you know, yeah, yeah. There's some great stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of you know great short stuff. And so my first reaction to the Pixar channel was like, yeah. really. But then I went, well, I know I'll be subscribing to Disney Plus, <laughs> even though we don't know what the terms are. Yeah. You know, but but Hulu, you know, like Netflix just raised your sign. What no, are the terms? No, no, no you ne- want to? Ne- you're going to sign. Netflix just raised the price two bucks, and Hulu just lowered their price. You know, but still, I, I, people get all upset about that. But it's like, what is it? Like thirteen dollars a month now? Yeah, I think I pay. So I'll be paying like, fifteen because, but because it's I'm, like forty cents a day. 
you know, I want my children to be able to watch Netflix, and they're not always with me. So I, you know, I get that. And are you the family one? That I got to? the family plan, yeah. you know. And and thanks to Comcast, I'm you know teaching my mother how to use to access thanks, Netflix. Because, Comcast. Well, no, because there are shows like she got, um, and, and she has Amazon Prime. So I had to show her how to do that because yeah. she wanted to watch the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She'd heard so much about it. Scrape show. So boom, you know, there. But Netflix, she was a, she's a big Grace and Frankie fan, mm-hmm. and I, you know, so she can't watch it. You know, I, she had to learn how to watch it when I wasn't over for a visit to, yes. to put it on, like yes. play three episodes, yes. you know, so now she can. Teach a, teach a mother to fish. Teach a mother to fish, and you get fish loaf. It's weird. It's uh, <laughs> it's ironic. My grandfather was a great fisherman. Goes good with custard. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about the streaming. DC Universe's Reign of the Superman. We, we touched on that yes. a little earlier. Yeah, I, I watched, I haven't finished it. I, I mean, I watched The Death of Superman first, and then I watched like the first half of... Uh, the Reign of the Superman, and it and it it follows pretty much the uh, there's Cyborg Superman, there's the Eradicator, there's uh, Steel, mm-hmm. and then there's Superboy, and uh, they've got all the characters as good as as close to the original as you would want them to be. Lex Luthor is in there with Superboy. It's a little bit more complex in his storytelling than the original was, as far as motivations and what's going on with the different characters and how think people find out things. Um, uh, you know, it's it's one of those stories where I already know the twist at the end. Yeah, right. They're not going to change that. They've done enough to prove that it's not going to be changed. But I'm still intrigued. I'm I'm enjoying the heck out of it. So, and you know what's coming up next? What Justice League versus the Fatal Five? Oh, that Bruce Tim no, is doing a Legion. That. Yes, I saw that. Looked I'm great. so excited. But honestly, if you're going to make a choice, uh, you agree with me? Like they launched these movies way back you know 10 years uh, now 11 or 12 years ago with superman doomsday was a kind of a one-off telling of it yeah and that one i fell asleep because i was bored not only because i knew what was going to happen but it wasn't told compellingly i watched the death of superman and down from jerry o'connell terrific voice Mm -hmm. for superman and the story the and rain wilson what a tremendous Lex Luthor. Yeah. I can't praise that enough. Yeah. You know, my son hasn't watched it because, but I know he will because he's obsessed with Rain Wilson. Hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily the best role model for the roles he's played. <laughs> Hello, father. <laughs> but he, but he loves Rain Wilson. He loves Dwight Schrute. And, uh, Oh, he what? He'd binge the office, didn't he? He binged the office five times. Yes. And, uh, and I'm not kidding. Thank God. God, he moved on to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> but, so now he's into Danny DeVito? I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, but we was why he watched some of Star Trek Discovery because of Rain Wilson. We've watched oh, yeah. we watched the, the, uh, the Magic to Make Men Mad and the and the short yeah. the, the short trek that he did. Um, you know, and I on that I I, I wanna call out actually the best Star Trek episode last week. I hate this com- these comparisons, but that Orville episode oh, with the, the last two with the well yeah but but really I said I, and I've loved Star Trek Discovery this yes. season yes and I I love Pike but when they resonate for me on different different for different reasons yes but I I just thought what a terrific hour of sci-fi like finally I think the Orville's calmed down yes that the jokes don't get in the way of the plot anymore yes. and now plot is first. And relationships are first, and then the jokes only work when they 
only come when they really work. And they serve. kind of they come at moments of high tension when somebody's want would you you'd want a joke to kind of relieve the stress. I I I did like the fact that we got to have Norm Macdonald do a do a scene. Yeah, but I mean, there it is. It's all completely that character yeah. works there and yeah. Isaac, you know, it was just really my one complaint and it's not a strong one because I love the actress who does it, but I would like to seen the romance happened between a different character and Isaac because she's already had the fling with Norm Macdonald's character. But so... that was under duress. I mean, she was, yeah. Yeah. Penny Gerald Johnson. I, you know, right. it's funny. It's, I can't remember the character's name, but I know she was the, the one from Deep Space Nine. Right. Um, and uh, I, I, I just, I thought what a great thing. Although I, I do have this problem with the Orville that I have with Ready Player One. It is as if nothing happened culturally in pop culture oh, yeah. since 2015. And really since nothing, uh, no music was written past 1987 or in 1988, you know. So true. it's the only, it, it, it's the flaw that I still have in that, that approach. But yes. But I, didn't you just, I just melted when first singing in the rain. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, you know, I like, thought it was a great hour of science fiction. Yes. Oh and, no, and and the even you could follow the logic that Isaac was doing at the end. Absolutely. And understand why this this artificial intelligence would need someone a else. A relationship. Yeah. And for a character, what I was thinking about this, they dropped the idea that they had said up top uh, the the pilot about they were the mo- the robots were the or the cybernetic, whatever you go, the mechanical men right. are the most racist species in the galaxy. Right. And they made a joke about it in the pilot that fell flat. And it's like, they're really just the most pompous. And it's not even pompous because they're, they're right. They're self-assured. They're self, yeah. You know, they're actualized. They're people. self-assured with no, no but embarrassment finally, about but it. But there's finally growth for Isaac. Yes. You know, I mean, there's been a slow arc and now I've yes. So if you, if you've turned away from the Orville, Last week's episode is the episode to turn back to and give it a, give it another shot. I, uh, the, I I I put it right up the previous week's episode with the um, astrological based society was wonderful commentary on theologies uh, uh, theocracies and and yeah. what interacting with them means if you're going to be yeah. you know if you're going to be fair you know. Um, in a very drastic way, but uh, right. And when you see with the, the entire, that a lot of the season of discovery is dealing with a theological being, yes, uh, something that right now we think we, we think we is assume. supernatural. Yeah. But that they did a first contact, essentially a first contact episode with a lost colony, if you will. Yes, you know. So I thought, oh, interesting parallel because the week before on Orville had been, you know, the excitement about first contact, and so you know, I, I I'm, yeah. I'm happy with both shows right now. I'm, and they're different shows. Yeah. You know, that's that's it. I did want to call out, back to streaming services, that Netflix dropped a, a Dark Horse adaptation, uh, which the graphic novel is available in stores now, Polar, mm-hmm. uh, starring Mads Mikkelsen as the Black Kaiser. And a sat. No, it was fun. You know, I watched a bunch of things last weekend and that that Polar was the best thing I watched. All three things that I really wanted, that I was, I had been waiting for. The ABC murders with John Malkovich as Hercule Poirot and uh, this horror movie on Netflix called Velvet Buzzsaw. Right. And, and Polar was the one that I, it was just 
fun. It was a, a it, it, I was surprised by some of the casting and it's very, um, it, it's filmed in a way so that it, it's got kind of the pop art colors that I could see from the original graphic novel from the printing, you know, so it's just interesting. It's a way of translating it o- over without being calling too much attention to it. But, uh, Oh, why am I blanking? Matt Lucas is, oh. uh, a major cast member that they'd kind of hidden from, the trailer that was on that, that they released a couple of weeks ago. Is he playing a typical Matt Lucas character or is he stretching? Maybe. Okay. There are things that are obviously like why Matt Lucas was right for it, but there's something very different and dark because it's not a comedy. Yeah. It is, it is in some ways a very, uh, you know, it's one of those, those things with the retired hitman or the retiring hitman. And we've seen a lot of films like that. Yeah. But the motivation, the reasons why things are happening the way they are, uh, is like, well, it makes perfect sense. And I haven't seen that. Now somebody else can write into me and say, well, it's like this and this is this. But I hadn't seen it. So I'm going to say that was original. And Vanessa Hudgens was in it as well. And I just think, and I think there are four graphic novels or four trades. There have been four miniseries of Polar so far. So uh, I this definitely leaves open for further if you will, adventures, but it still comes to a close. It's like, it's clear that, th- that the black Kaiser is not done as done as he thinks he is, but this leg of it is done. And again, if there's no more, okay, but yeah. I kind of hope there are because it was a cool style. And, and I, I bring it up not just cause it launched, but because next week, the umbrella Academy uh, launches yeah. on Netflix. And I still haven't, Honestly, I you know I'm sure the information's there, and I haven't paid enough attention to whether or not they're dropping on a weekly basis, or, or if, if they're going to binge once. it. Because reality is, I'm going to watch it on a weekly basis. I can't. I don't have time to binge. There's yeah, a, you know there's too much else. There's there's too much else. You know, it, and I, I do want to call out one last thing because we just come from Super Bowl Sunday. We got a, the new Avengers Endgame teaser, and yes. I saw some friends complaining about it wasn't long enough. There wasn't enough, and I'm like, really? That's all I need. I didn't need anything else. I didn't need anything other than an inspirational quote from from Chris Evans, and to watch them all walk across the screen, right, right, with <laughs> rocket go, in the middle. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready, baby. No, I, I, my, I did seem, it seemed dark like light wise dark not yeah. thematically dark it just seemed like it was going for kind of like a no, misty I think they, noir I think they were hi- they're hiding a lot from us okay and you know it's how carefully some people you know look if you're don't listen to this podcast for close analysis of like the details but somebody has said like it looked like they'd even whited out or not whited out but digitally removed backgrounds a character uh because there's like a gap as they're walking across the screen. Interesting. And because they, they don't want to reveal who's, you know, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Hey, you know, because it goes back to Infinity War. They lied to us with a shot of the Hulk. Yes. That didn't happen. Yes. Uh, you know, so I'm like, lie to me. <laughs> I No, you know, no, really. And yeah. I, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, I, I the studios owe me nothing than an entertaining Two to three hours. Right, right. A, a, a teaser trailer is not a contract. And they don't even owe me the the two to three hours that's already in my head. 
they owe me their best work. Something that'll wipe those two hours out of your head. Which, but no, by the way, at this at this point, and it's probably not going to get cut down because fans would riot. Endgame is three hours. Yeah. And so uh, I'm going to say this is like a medical procedure. <laughs> Do not eat or drink anything for eight hours before your tickets. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> And I'm like, I am usually that popcorn guy that's like, okay, I'm going to get that large. And it's like, unless they, unless nope. they, unless nope. they uh, put an intermission in the middle of it. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, Let's all wagon. go to the lobby. Yeah. Just paint, oh, Lawrence of Re- all these road shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. do it a road show or is it, is it uh, help does that has the little break uh, yes. intermission. And so does Strange Brew. Paint Your Wagon had <laughs> one too. And so did uh, How the West was one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All, those were the road shows. Paint yeah, Your yeah. Wagon and. I don't know. Somebody write in and tell me which what's your favorite road show because like Blu-rays and laser discs or you know the, Ice the, Station the, Zebra had one. The, the sure the light the the laser discs always included them. Yeah. I don't know if the Blu-rays do or not. Um, uh, my Lawrence of Arabia has. has I, I think so, has but it on it. Yeah. I have it. I admit I haven't watched my laser uh, my my Blu-ray of Lawrence of Arabia. I saw it in seventy millimeter, and it's like I remember that was at Cinequest. Yeah. Oh no, I, I saw it oh, at saw uh, it? at Century Twenty One in a re-release, ah. but uh, yeah. Um, they showed it on the Barco at, at yeah. Sunquest. God rest its soul. God rest the Barco. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, hey, thanks for listening. And, of course, again, uh, use Amazon if there's something you can't find at your local brick-and-mortar store. I do want to call out again. Thanks, Dave, David, and George. Uh, I don't think you've met David yet face-to-face. Not face-to-face. But what a terrific guy. So uh, I haven't met George face-to-face. I'm looking forward to it at, at a convention sometime. So uh, so definitely, April 24th, go to your local shop uh, and, and go to Diamond Previews right now and tell them you want Spencer and Locke 2 ready to go. And there's a graphic novel you can get? Uh, of the first one. Oh, the the first trade one? paperback of the, first, of the first, which is a really cool book if you haven't bought that already so thank you guys once again it, 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 delight having you on and uh and of course write in if anybody else has questions comments compliments commentary criticism write into editor at fanboyplanet.com we'll be back who knows what the next piece of content will be you know again we said uh, we've got cinequest coming It'll up probably be. I hope and i'm, I'm jittery trying to figure out like adjust my schedules for all that now and we hope to have a conversation about cinequest soon and we'll certainly be doing reviews of movies at Cinequest soon because that's the first two weeks of March. And talk about something to see at the California. I just want to call it now that they bring back the silent comedy. We get Buster Keaton, Steamboat yeah. Bill Jr. I'm so excited because yeah. I've never seen it on a big screen. I'm so excited to, to see that. So anyway, hey, that's it. You know, That's what I know my March is. Who knows what February is? Uh, I'll tell you a funny story afterwards uh, about February. All right. And, and anyway, a freak out I had today. So anyway, thanks for listening. And I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.